Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. What up, George? Not a lot. I'm feeling funky. How about you? Funk, funker. I, just, funky. I feel like I feel like smooth jazz should just be playing under this. Whole, well, not. I guess it'd be more like hip hop. Yeah, not it's really. it's. It's yeah. pretty. It's pretty firmly in the hip hop area. Smooth hip hop is that a thing? Can we have some smooth hip hop on the track? It's it's hip hop music, you know. With it, yeah. With a was it a Z and a K? I, th- I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's how we started our episode about the history of elevator music. <laughs> Which, if you didn't know, that's what this podcast is actually about. Yeah. <laughs> Just all, all been leading up to that. Um, so we played a, a, like an oldie, like a real oldie um, from the for, for you know the sixteen bit era. Uh, we played Toe Jam and Earl. Yep, Panic and Funkatron. Toe Jam and Earl, the first one. Yeah, Panic on Funkatron. Well, there's only the one, right? That's the sequel. And that is a quick rendition of the conversation <laughs> that we had yesterday afternoon at a wedding. That we had no time to fi- to, no. to salvage the situation before recording this podcast. <laughs> no, no time to right the wrongs we had wrought upon ourselves. No, and, and this is one of those things that uh, I, I've dabbled a little bit in programming. So, like, you were pulling from like the end of the index. Like, you reached, you started the right side of your shelf, and you're like, yep. "I'll just go until I hit it." There it yep. is. And I started at the left side of my shelf and did the same thing. Yeah, here no, we it are. Was, and also, too, so the the two things that that were the red flags for, oh, not the red flags, but the reason why I was like, well, this is why it happens, because I I have actually never played Toe Jam and Earl. You know, I've only played Panic and Funky Town or whatever. You know, <laughs> pa- Panic on Funkotron. Yeah, Panic in in in, in Funkin' Funk. Anyways, Funkin but yeah, funk. so. <laughs> It took me really I, I really strained not throwing F bomb in there right now. <laughs> it, just, it really leads itself to that. I appreciate your candor. <laughs> um anyways, but yeah, so that was the game I played. So when we were like Toe Jam and Earl, I'm like, yeah, Toe Jam and Earl, Panic on Funkatron, obviously. Like, and then just immediately that's that's what I went for. But I think where we <laughs> because so we so we were at a wedding, right? And so we were like talking to each other kind of in passing as you do in weddings, because you know. Nothing, nothing else to do yeah exactly so um you said something 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 using presents and i was like you don't use presents they're just for points and you're like no it's a pretty core game mechanic that's yeah, kind of use- crucial to the game yeah and i was like no man you shake trees and you get presents and then we had to stop talking for a minute but i feel like we both left that situation with a sense of dis-ease you know like yeah something something's wrong it's like the the uncanny it like just you know like like horror <laughs> villain you know or like they twitch a little too fast you know like <laughs> well so so the original toe jam and earl the the right one is... toe jam and earl the toe jam and earl <laughs> exactly is a roguelike so there's like some different there's water and there's there's like desert space and there's like some road and i was I really left that conversation. Like I got pulled off to go do wedding nonsense and you got pulled off to go do wedding nonsense. And for like the remaining 30 seconds, I was allowed to control my own thoughts. All I could think was like, 
are there trees? <laughs> I mean, I've played this game like for years and I don't, what, what is he, what the hell is he talking about? And then somebody was like, Hey, I need you to come help me with this. And I was just like, surely this will get resolved. Yeah, of course. Yes. No, it, it so, so luckily I was able to double back and play about an hour ish of toe jam and Earl. And you have played panic in, in, in funk, funky funk. So funky town. yeah. For yeah. last train to funky town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, so we're going to try something a little different this time where we juxtapose the two games as best we can just to make some lemonade out of this. Yeah, and, and I think we have uh, we have a very like high school debate team um, tack because I don't like the second one and you have almost no experience with the first one. Yep. So this is going to be, thank God we're not like, uh, like lobbying for, for the games we chose because this would be completely nonsensical. But there are um, there are such dramatic changes between the two of them that I think it, it'll be a little interesting to put them side by side. So we're yes. making lemonade out of it. <laughs> so visuals. Um, so the the biggest difference right away is that the original Toad Jam and Earl very early in the uh, Genesis life cycle and the sequel came a few years later when they'd gotten a little more used to what it was like to work with the graphics and and how to make them you know shinier and mm. the style of games was changing the original toe jam and earl to me looks like an ms dos game and i don't mean yeah. that in a pejorative way but it feels very pc gamey like the way they do the pixel art just makes me think more you know, thank you for playing Wing Commander and less <laughs> and less like pulling, you know, the Sonic the Hedgehog cartridge out of my Genesis. Uh, do, you, do you get that feeling at all? Yeah, I actually, so I wanted to give a thumbs up. So like we can do like thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs up to the original <laughs> on this one, thumbs down to the sequel. Because I, when I was playing the sequel, actually one of my notes were like, why do Toe Jam and Earl look so awful? Like, I honestly... <laughs> I was like, why, why does this game look so, so like some of the aliens look pretty decent and like, you know, it, it's very stylistically distinct, but I was like, man, the, the, the character sprites just look ragged and bad. Whereas, and then I, I played the original. I was like, oh, okay. So they are more complex and more fleshed out than the original, but not enough to like meet bare minimums. And the reason why if the original want to pass on this is because the lower I guess resolution, the the lower um, specificity yeah. on the character model is because in my mind, you're a representation on a map, you know, because of kind of like the way it, you yeah, know, it's, it's that kind of, it's, it's not truly isometric, but it's like the pseudo top down. Right. Yeah. It kind of like um, another game that I've, I've heard of. I've I can't think of it. Now. You yeah. should just go on. We don't want to waste people's time listening to us think. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just coming up with things off the top of our cap. Anyways. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, uh, so I thought that, uh, so, so to me, my, my mind kind of gave that a pass because it, it was like a kind of like map representative and B you, you are further away from the character, you know, like the, there's a lot more screen, like your character takes up, let's say one sixteenth of the screen. Whereas in panic and funky funk, um, you take up, you take up like, you know, an eighth, right? So yeah. you're a lot closer. Well, and, and the, the biggest difference, and I mean, we'll, we'll definitely have to harp on the mechanics a lot, but like the original is 
a roguelike exploration game with a top, mostly top down, what most people would call a top down viewpoint. And uh, Last Train to Funky Town is a completely bland and uninspiring side on platformer. Like yes. every other bland, uninspiring side on platformer. It's like someone on the development because i mean I, you know we we did our research and i know all of the things that happened but i'm tired and can't think of any of them right now <laughs> so it's almost like someone on the development team when they were going to make the second one was like yeah so people seem to like the first game so now it's going to be the same kind of exploration mechanics but we're going to get to redo all the visuals because now they're back on their home planet instead of being on earth and somebody else was like boring make it more like <laughs> bubsy the cat <laughs> and and then that man was promoted to manager and they made his terrible vision into a reality and we call it last train to funky town yeah no because because after that last train goes there nobody ever went to funky town again because <laughs> not to bury the lead but I, I i think that like um you know the I, I like the way you said that you know the first one is a roguelike top-down exploration based game and the second one is a waste of your goddamn time <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it just yeah. oh god, I get so frust so frustrated with that game, and we can get into that way more mechanics. But I was just kind of like, oh god, why, why are we doing this? And and how come again? You know, red flags in retrospect. You know, because I think we like mentioned it in passing, and you know, like I was like, Lions has spoken not super high, but like decently high of this game. You know, like and. This game's pretty bad. I mean, we've disagreed before, but normally not this badly. Whatever. Questions for later. You know, like I should look into this six hours later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so no, I was I was actually in, impressed with how poor a lot of the visuals were in um in in Panic on Funky Town because like okay, so if if you if you saturate the color palette for everything it makes it actually seem bland you know right yeah like, when when every color is special no colors are special <laughs> exactly you know uh, who, who knew that the color theory and the incredibles would go hand in hand but but yeah and so and be, because of that mixed with the fact that and you know i got like i don't know about halfway through this game funk panic on funky town and then i went and spent some time playing the other one so i didn't get quite as far on it as i'd like to but there's no difference in like levels in the sense of like the level design you know there's like the under dark whatever under funk oh god <laughs> i'm more bummed that i remembered the actual name uh, there's the, the under funk and and there, there's like about like five different like level looks you know like level feels but they can all be experienced like on the same level and then it's just 30 different levels of that so after i played like the first five i was like okay and i put in a code to get to like level 10 and it was the same schlock and then to like level 15 and it was the same schlock and i was like <laughs> i don't care about any of this there's no and, and i think it's amazing that they took a roguelike explorer and thought that was the way to go yeah. How could we change this? What if all we did was change it? <laughs> what if the one constant was change? And then that guy, because you know this is like a guy who has never been told he's an idiot in his entire life, had like one of those big, uh, like A-frame with the white paper and and he like turned it over and it just said change in Sharpie marker <laughs> and he pointed to it and nodded and smiled and everyone in the room was like, 
Oh, isn't that the CEO's nephew? I'm not I'm not telling him that everything he just Ooh. said made him sound like a jackass. Are you gonna tell him? I'm not telling him. Or like, you know, like the CEO's person says change and like one other exec raises raises his <laughs> hand. It's like, wait, that's not enough information. And like people turn around and like, did you not tell him that that was the CEO's son? Did you not tell him? <laughs> Get him on board. What is wrong? Shut him up. You shut him up right now. You know, like yeah. I'm so uh, sorry, yeah. Mr. Johansson. That man is fired. Yeah. yeah it, and so, okay. So this is actually, I think it's interesting that you say, <laughs> I had, I'm sorry, I had to put the kibosh on that. That joke was never going to end. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting that you said specifically the lack of variation is frustrating because the first game has no variation. Like it, it's almost like tile types in uh, like in a sim, like mm. this is what water looks like. This is what ground looks like. This is what desert looks like. And that's like all there is. And because it's a roguelike, there's just varying random combinations of those tiles. But you're not here for the scenery. You're here for the map. Like, you want to uncover the map. So the fact that there's lots of green squares is like, well, yeah, but where is the edge of those green squares? It's the edge I care about, not really the green. Whereas when you're playing a platformer, staring at the same like Hanna-Barbera scrolling background for 20 hours is like really uninspiring. But impressively so. And, 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 and it makes every, cause in a roguelike, like in Minecraft, you know, I don't expect super, you know, super tight visuals, you know, like, I mean, look at Minecraft, you know, and look how many people have (laughs) dumped their lives into it i mean <laughs> uh, as as i think I, I don't think we mentioned it on the show but we I, I i am currently working with a small team of people to cre- create in survival mode a scale model of the uss enterprise ncc 1701d yeah which i don't think you have said that on the show and i think people should recognize as a particular brand of obsession because <laughs> that has already been done and you're like now i want to do it yeah yeah, well, you know, just that, that, that's why there are scores of people who want to scale Mount Everest, you yeah. know, like, um, now but anyway, it can be done yeah. uh, in all history. But no, so so that's the thing is that, you know, you don't ex- if a game is pre-crafted, you expect it to be more polished than something that is randomized, especially, you know, Toe Jam and Earl, the Toe Jam and Earl, you could play for hours and hours and hours and hours, because then when you eventually get so far into it or beat it or whatever, you just boot it up again and you do it again because it's always new it's always fresh as opposed to this where after you play five levels you're like i don't want to go any further because i don't really care to and i can't play it again because it's all the same schlock and if it was a tight experience it'd be like oh yeah that was really fun to like jump and then duck and you know hone my skills but this was not that yeah, like you, we play Super Mario World over and over and over throughout our lives with its Crayola crayon colors because everything feels thoughtful and well-chosen and, and planned out. And people like roguelikes and give them certain weird passes because you don't go for the incredibly brilliant level design. And and companies exactly. have tried to do this. Like, did you ever play or hear of No Man's Sky? <laughs> I, I played no man's sky yeah okay so no man's sky which i never played but i had to read a lot about um because <laughs> it, was, it was just like the news for a little while in the tech world yeah. but they really tried to say like what if we made these super rich and engaging procedurally generated worlds and then we made like a billion of them 
And one of the best reviews I read that actually, I think that review is what kept me from trying that game was somebody, somebody said something like, uh, there's nothing to brag about when you have 7 million procedurally generated worlds and not one of them is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, whoa, because they, they put all of the the kind of impetus on making it visually stunning, even though a lot of the things that it was procedurally generating didn't make any damn sense. And and in Toe Jam and Earl, the Toe Jam and Earl, you end up with like these jagged land masses and you end up with random like pits to hell. And there's just all of this shenanigans, but that's what you've been told to expect. No one said like, oh, this is eventually you will perfectly recreate the the country you're in and if you wander long enough you'll recreate the entire map of the planet earth because that's not what this is that's not what is supposed to be happening you're just on this random nonsense and there's random nonsense enemies and it's like just how it is and and i mentioned the the graphics looking super ms dossy the or to me anyway the the enemies for again i don't know why but the enemies really drove that home like there's some pc games i must have played in like the late 80s early 90s that look similar and god man like the tall haired lady and there's like the 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 nerd herd they just all make me think like when i'm done with this game i'm going to see an ms dos prompt (laughs) Uh, for some of them i was just like when i'm done with this game i'm going to see a far side comic but you know it's like very oh yeah (laughs) yeah super super um saved by the bell fresh prince of bel-air the crazy colors in between levels when you're in the elevator like yeah yeah, no, all of that was was pretty bad. The, the one other note that I have on, uh, wait, uh, I've got actually I've got two more. Um, was uh, for for Panic and Funky Town. Um, was one is between levels, you uh, just I just care so little about anything <laughs> that happened in this game. Um, but because you're you're trying to collect all of the humans to ship them back to Earth because they came with you. Oh after right, the first thing. yes, they like hitched a ride on the okay right in space um <laughs> and there's there's a lot of them there's a, i mean like i don't know how you didn't notice this it's a small two-man craft and there's about five billion humans like the yeah, bulk it's like, of the it's, like it's like the size of a smart car and yet <laughs> i mean the fact that one could stow away seems unreasonable but let's not so, sp- let's not split hairs. yeah right especially considering that most of them i mean because at first i was like well okay wait wait maybe they got there and i mean humans are alive therefore we can propagate our species but you look at the sprites that came over and you're like no (laughs) none of of that happened but but anyways in between each level you stand onto a giant spring and they pull it and it fires you into outer space where you then mm -hmm, uh, (laughs) where you then hit something like you literally hit the fourth wall and then fall back to the planet. And that, I don't know, man. To me, it's it's kind of like when that, I, I think that CEO's son like made <laughs> that joke and everybody's like, oh, yes, brilliant. So we must put it in there. Apparently this was made in Britain. But, uh, <laughs> and and I was just like, it's not, it's not funny. And this is a waste of time because that animation takes forever. And so that, it was all just frustrating me because to be fair though, at that point, I was already frustrated and was just, writing things down to pick it apart well and i mean this is a good example of the difference in feeling that's inspired by the visuals because when i uh you know slap it into my genesis machine and i'm like okay i'm gonna play toe jam and arrow it's like 
very dated and very nostalgic in the broader sense of I'm like, oh man, look at these graphics. Listen, (laughs) listen to those dope beats, y'all. Like it's, but, but in a way that feels genuine, like it feels like the people who wrote that music and made those graphics were like, yeah, this is what games look like right now. Like this is, we know that in five years, this is going to be super out of date, but like we want to make a game right now and this is how our game is going to look. And, yeah. and, and they weren't like being like edgy or ironic about it, despite it being like, you know, hip hoppy and whatever. But <laughs> then when they made the second one, it's, it's like just it's soulless. Yeah. Just only every decision had to be like turned up to 11. They were like, you know, Oh, sometimes the characters like look at the camera and break the fourth wall a little bit. What if in between every level, their faces were smashed against the TV screen every time? And that animation takes like 20 or 30 seconds. No one will get tired of that, definitely. Nope, definitely not. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think that, that you kind of hit the nail on the head where the first one, as you're, you know, you're running around, you're jam, you're jamming around, right? It felt <laughs> kind of like fun and enjoyable. Like somebody was like, yeah, you know, what if we took, you know, Bill and Ted, but with aliens and magic, you know? And I was like, and, you know, like you hop onto an elevator that goes into the, the negaverse or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not totally clear on all that. <laughs> exactly. But then like the second one was like, well, what if we did all of that and like supercharged it? And, you know, like, but then it was just to me actually one of the notes I have, and I th- now is as good a time as as it was. It literally feels like what an adult thinks kids think is cool. You know, it's it's literally like the 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 oh it's 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 Lee Marvin's putt putt challenge or yes. whatever. You know? yes, no, that is exactly the right way to describe it. <laughs> the the first one, though now dated in history, was cool. And right. the second one is what those developers' parents thought they would like for Christmas. Like yeah. it's just like, ah, oh, you like that toe jam and 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 burl guy, right? And it's like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, you know, they're they're always like funkin' and hip hopping and they got sneakers on. And it's like, did you even play the first one? Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, they they're they're cool. Like they they got their sneakers untied, and the one guy doesn't wear a shirt, and it's like, yeah, you're not. Wrong. You're, you're focusing but, on the wrong details here. Yeah, it's, it's it's just like going to like a Mr. Universe pageant and being like, "Oh man, look at all of these people wearing speedos." And it's like, "Yes." <laughs> it's not why they're there though, you know, like but yeah, and the one other note that I had on visuals is just kind of like a throwaway thing. It's just I can't I don't know why this bothered me so much, but I mean, first of all, all of the enemy sprites I just didn't care for. I thought they were all just silly over the top you know again like what your parents think you think would be funny is to have like a naked man in a box orating to something like a madman yeah but the boogeyman is there okay so i just want to let you know we're Uh we're gonna have a discussion about this right now because i don't remember (laughs) the boogeyman in the sequel so you go ahead and tell me what he's like yeah um (laughs) Now a part of me wants to gaslight you a little bit and <laughs> just make up some like sheer insanity. It was the one good part of the game. Oh my god. Have you not? Oh, you gotta play. It's 15 <laughs> hours in. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it, yeah, he's just like a, a small sprite about half the size of Toe Jam. And uh and he can turn invisible, this kind of his shtick, so it makes him harder to target. And he just jumps out, like he appears and goes, 
boogie, 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 and then disappears again. And by act of doing that, literally scares some of your life away. But I don't know. It just it bothered me so much because I was just like, so a bunch of humans hitch the ride, fine. But not only is there boogeymen, there's boogeymen. There's like hundreds of them, you yeah. know? So it's like, well, why did we need that? We didn't need that, you know? Like you could, I don't know, just, just well, everything. About, nothing's about this is planned. So, so the visuals in the first game, because the boogeyman is super in the first game and we're about to talk about him. Um, sweet, sweet, sweet. The visuals in the first game always came across to me as the aliens are the cool guys, the cool guys and girls, and all other earthlings are like how they see us. Mm. Right. So we're the non-cool earthlings and the aliens are cool. And that's why all of the earthlings are enemies with the exception of Santa Claus, Mm. Santa Claus in the first one, you can like steal presents from all of the other earthlings are at least like they interrupt your forward momentum. If they don't outright like kill you, Right. And and the boogeyman in the first one, the, the biggest difference there is he is noticeably smaller even than Tojam. But remember, as you said, you, the amount of screen you take up is way less and it's top down view. So the boogeyman can come at you from any direction. I mean, he has to walk on land. He can't fly, but um, or swim, I think. But so he can walk at you from any direction, but he never is completely invisible for very long so Mm -hmm. he will be completely invisible and then you see the like almost like a shadow of like a a man like creeping Mm -hmm. and and so there because you take up a much smaller portion of the screen there's this huge obvious indicator if you're paying attention like oh god the boogeyman is is somewhere around me and i need to like get away from here Right. Mm. Whereas in a side scroller where you take up like 80% of the screen with your big fat ugly sprite, like yep. he just pops out of nowhere and there's nothing you can do about it from the sound of it. And that's not only is that frustrating, but it it's like they took this clever mechanic in the first one where it's like, oh, how would aliens view some of these things on Earth? Like like moms yelling at their kids in shopping carts and and like nerds, you know, off to work at IBM or whatever. And like the the idea of the boogeyman and right. and they took that and then they were like what if we made it unfun and completely didn't understand how this mechanic works and made it visually more disturbing yeah and basically that was it because I, I like the idea because i think it, i think the idea of the boogeyman fits a lot better and and, and that's the thing is it the, the toe jam and earl the toe jam and earl was planned at least it feels that way. And, and this one is not, you know, it's, it's all just fan service. It's fan service, the game, right? (laughs) So like the boogeyman makes sense in a game where you are a foreigner in a strange land, right? Because it's like, Oh, and there's like, you know, so, so there are, there are these people and there's, they're, they're weird and they've got, you know, they're doing weird things. Like for example, the hula dancers, you know, where, they make you hula dance, you know, right. like, like just kind of things like that, where it's like, Ooh, kind of weird and a little cognitively dissonant and there's actual monsters. But in this one, the boogeyman at no point elicited fear. He was just there because there was a boogeyman in the first one, you know? Right. And, and the way I dealt with him was, uh, so you throw jars to capture these things, including the monsters to send them back. Okay. Um, yeah. Ooh. But, uh, you can throw jars in like any of the four, actually 
eight directions, right? But the way I would deal with boogeymen is you have, because you have infinite jars, I would literally just jump up and scorch the earth, just throwing them directly <laughs> beneath me. Just just carpet jar the earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, and then I would just hit the ground and just see how many boogeymen I had caught. And if it was the appropriate number, then I collected them. And if it was not the appropriate number, I jumped back up and sky bombed again. <laughs> so, 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 okay. So I, you know, we, we have like our bit about research and I love it. I love our bits. Um, mm-hmm. I did actually just notice this thing in the Wikipedia article for Toe Jam and Earl last train to funky town. And, mm-hmm. and I think it actually bears sharing with you because I think this Wikipedia article just confirmed our theory about, um, out of touch mom and dad based game development. Really? Yes. So, <laughs> so I won't read you this whole paragraph, but the this there will actually be a link to this in the show notes if you want to go read. Um, but no, no, it, don't set a precedent. <laughs> well, I always link to information about that game. So yeah, this yes. is all this is all the work I would have done. Um, <laughs> but but it actually says like after they finished the first game and it was popular, they were like, oh, okay, we're gonna make the second game where they have a reason to come back to Earth and then it's going to expand on the mechanics and there's going to be indoor areas, which are also procedurally generated. So like same idea, but more, more. of it and like more thought out and more fleshed out and more, you know, a sequel, more. Yeah, right. A sequel. <laughs> a sequel to the first game, not just a game using similar art assets. Right. Um, and it literally says right here, uh, Sega, however, conferred that they did not understand. And that is actually in like scare quotes. Yeah. <laughs> the game and though the decision was still ultimately with Johnson and I'm going to butcher this name Vorsanger, uh, mm. the developer started work on a more generic side scrolling platform game, uh, a concept to which Sega had been more receptive. So essentially they were like, Hey, you know, that game we made for you that was like successful and like well-reviewed and people liked it. Um, we're going to, we're going to like expand on it and like make it like bigger and better. And it's going to be more interesting and there'll be more stuff to do. And, and, and hopefully, you know, people that love the first one will like love this even more. And they were like, ah, can you make it look like Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah. Can, can you just make it <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog reskinned yeah. with, with Sonic and Tails? I mean, Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and th- this is like, this is every like creative person's nightmare. This sounds like in the, these two sentences is that yeah. they, the creative people knew the right thing to do. And then the big bad corporation was like, no, but we'll fund you if you make a generic piece of crap. And these people have, you know, their jobs and their livelihoods to think of, and you can't always put creativity first, but Oh God, just looking at the screenshot from the second one makes me want to puke. I hate it so much. Oh no, it's, 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 it's not good. It's not good. But, uh, do you have anything else for visuals? No, and I want to segue directly into audio because uh, the other thing about the Boogeyman is that he makes the worst noise any video game character has ever made, except maybe the Doctor. So let's talk about the Boogeyman first. So the Boogeyman in the first game makes exactly the noise you just described, and I'm kind of wondering if they literally copy-pasted that sound effect wholesale because in the first one, you can usually see him coming. But if you're like distracted by enemies or you're being chased by bees or there's, you know, whatever, like you're an item is about to run out or something, then he may actually sneak up on you, which is part of what makes him scary is like he can sneak up on you. And then him appearing from seemingly out of nowhere and going boogie, 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 and you dying a little bit is right. like it's jarring. It's effective. It's like a powerful game mechanic. Um, how 
how soul wrenching would you say that sound is in Last Train to Funky Town? Because it's pretty jarring in the first one. It's honestly hard to say for two reasons. One, um, by the time I fought the first boogeyman, I was so filled with vitriol and hate that I could have become a Sith Lord. So, um, <laughs> so I'm not. I cannot claim being unbiased at this particular point. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> um, secondly, though, I think that that part of the issue it may very well have been the exact same sound, but. Um, the difference, though, is that as opposed to being like a small sprite that can kind of sneak up on you and like, again, you're you're in an unfamiliar land and you're running away from something that could just appear out of nowhere and get you, you know, versus literally a small little blue creature that appears either a so close to you that there's just nothing you could do. Right. Which isn't really that scary. It's just more like you just frustrated with the game or B one that appears from like forever away and you can you're already aware of it right um he just like kind of pops up and he just tickles you and goes boogie 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 so all of that even if it's the exact same sound completely robs it of any fear you know like like it's it's like if i if i looked at you lines and said i'm gonna get you right versus if i did the same thing i was like i'm gonna get you but you know, like yeah, the way you do like, it to like your nephew. Yeah, like you make the t- <laughs> the, 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 the tickle fingers, t- tickle you know, fingers. at the same time. Yeah, tickle fingers. It, it's hard to make anything seem creepy with t- tickle fingers. So well, <laughs> unless you go like completely full circle. Yeah. In which case, yeah. In which case, it's then like super creepy. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you Pac-Man that all the way off the map, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it comes back around. <laughs> But yeah, this, I mean, so I, I can't, I'm, I'm going to actually check because I don't remember and I played the right game, so I didn't hear it in Last Train to Funky Town. But um, <laughs> so the in, in the first game, there's another character that's like a very stereotype of a mad scientist, like the long white coat, the crazy, not quite Albert Einstein hair, more like the straight up, like, uh, like he's been electrocuted kind of hair. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and he's got the big, you know, goggles on his forehead. He looks almost like a, a bastard Doc Brown, like that mm. that kind of look. And he um he takes these long creeping steps, like he's trying to uh like sneak up on you, but in a way that he doesn't realize makes him incredibly conspicuous. He just but, he just rolled poorly on his hide and moved silently, but he doesn't know that he yeah, rolled he has, poorly. He has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but he he has a needle, like a hypodermic needle, with a tube running to like his pocket, which is nice, already nice. a fairly disconcerting visual. Yes. And and when he gets close enough to attack you, he stabs you with the needle. So he like because cr- he's tall, like he's tall and lanky, and he like crouches down, and he stabs you with the needle, and then you go like, youch, the same way you do if you get hurt in like any of 10 other ways. But then he rears back, like back parallel to the ground, like bent so far over at the waist and does this like just heart shattering, mind bending cackle that it probably at the time was like pushing the Genesis's ability to like mimic human noises <laughs> to its very limit. Like it's un real dude like i'm gonna find the youtube clip and send it to you right after we're done recording because it is unreal how frightening this sound is like and i don't think it's just a nostalgia thing like it's just really upsetting right yeah no, that that all sounds terrible and i can say that from a sound point of view there is n- there was nothing in this game that made me feel 
anything. Actually, no, that take that <laughs> statement, but not just on sound. There's nothing in this game that made me feel anything. But well, uh, the, but yeah, this this is somewhere I feel like the audio really excelled in the first game is because the visuals are not they're not bad, but they're not spectacular. But the audio is great. Like the music is excellent. The enemies, like the there's also a mimic mailbox. So there's like a real mailbox you can put money in to get presents. But then there's a mimic mailbox that if you get too close to it, it makes this like, oh god, I don't want to do a terrible impersonation of it, but I don't know how to describe it. It's like a like that oh. kind of yeah, like yeah. the way you might scare like a little kid or like a cheap like Halloween decoration might shout at you, but but you think it's a friendly mailbox that you can send away for a present in and that it attacks you. And it like, it's like scary, man. Like it, it, <laughs> the, the sound effects make the visuals way more intense than the visuals would be on their own. It's like, it's, it's used to tremendous effect. Right. And, and in this one, I think most of the, the, the sound um, just made it sillier. And I mean, that's, that's fine. But like I said, it was just all, saturated and silly and saturated in color and saturated in every possible way. You just turned everything up to 11. And so then you <laughs> went deaf quick, quick minor tangent. Um, I saw something and then I actually bought a shirt that has this on it, which I just really enjoy, which is um, the concept of Schrodinger's mimic, which is that every treasure chest is both a mimic and a treasure chest as <laughs> superimposed on the quantum state. <laughs> Until you open it, and then the, the the waveform collapses, and it is either a mimic or a treasure chest. I like that, right? And and I wear that <laughs> wear that shirt to work from time to time. And um, yeah, it's a it's just there's a lot to unpack in that joke. So if somebody's like, "I like your shirt," I'm like, "Right, you should." <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're like an actual honest to god like lab coat wearing scientist. So how many people <laughs> at your work have come up to you and been like? You know, that's really just perpetuating the misunderstanding of how Schrodinger's cat experiment worked. And then do they get the opposite treatment? You're like, we should not hang out. Because you don't understand how humor works. Well, <laughs> oddly enough, I, I am a, you know, bald guy with a beard, right? That's and odd. For, <laughs> and for Halloween, yeah, that's shocking. <laughs> for Halloween, I went with, uh, I, I, I got some blue rock candy and I got the hat and the glasses, and I went as Heisenberg, and nobody got it. So Aww. not a soul, man. They, one person asked me, like, oh, are you like an Amish guy? And I was like, I don't – this is a popular TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, that's kind of – yeah, I don't I – don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that I haven't gotten the – well, you know you're just perpetuating the myth the show during set. I have not gotten that. I did get one time, though – uh, somebody say, oh, you play D&D? And I was like, yeah, no, I, I do. And then he asked the question where I was like, we are going to hang out, which was, which edition? And I was mm. like, what? We, we, we should <laughs> hang out. Because uh, 3-5, obviously. And he was like, oh, yeah, 3-5, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um, so, yeah, mechanics? Well, I, so I, I dare, daren't not ask you this under normal circumstances, but I feel like we have to to keep up the facade of like comparing the two games. Um, did you happen to notice if this game had any music in it? Uh, yeah, it was all, <laughs> it, I, I did, I did No, but, and, and literally my note is very funky. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't notice, but with typical garbage truck with ears, all my, all I was able to pull out is it's funky. 
I mean, it's based on the visuals and what I assume we are about to get into with mechanics. That's not surprising. The music in the first one is there's only, I don't know, four or five tracks, I think. Because, I mean, technically every level could be any level because it's a roguelike. So it's not like you get the underground music and the desert music and the sea world music. Like, it's just... Every level is every level and no level and ooh. But because of that, I, I think you just get a random song on each floor. It's like a random song, not the one you just had. Like the algorithm is probably that simple. And yeah. so so some of them start to feel a little bit repetitive, but like they're, uh, I don't know. I, I think really the best way I can explain it is the only thing that you are supposed to feel concerned about is the earthlings because earthlings are terrifying. Like right. the world is not trying to kill you. It's the inhabitants of the world. You don't care that you crashed your ship. Everything's jamming. Like yeah. everything there's <laughs> presents everywhere and hamburgers and ice cream sundays and like everything's fine. And the music is super upbeat. And I don't think there is literally any sad or slow or depressing music in the entire game. So you feel super empowered by everything except the way the earth, most of the earthlings interact with you. So it's like, I kind of like that they're just like jamming and they just happen to only have like four or five songs on the tape in their Walkman. But yeah, it, at the same time, like because it's a roguelike, you might go a long time in between finding ship pieces, which means eventually you're just like, okay, I get it. Like, <laughs> yes. Okay. I've heard this music. Thank you. Yes, please, please, please stop. And yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, again, just, because I can't say enough bad things about Panic and Funky Town, <laughs> is uh, is just all of it is just it's it's just it's it's funky, you know. But it's like, <laughs> but it's and there's nothing wrong with funky music. But what I'm saying is, that it's like literally a CEO went to you know like like a, a musician and said, "I need funky music." And it's like, okay, well, can you be a little bit more specific? Like, what's the scenario? Like, what do we what are we trying to like convey? What kind of you know? It's like no, just make it funky yeah you know it's it sounds it's i i without listening to it i'm gonna guess it's like ad for coca-cola funky it it's not guy listening to hip-hop drove past my house and i heard some hip-hop funky it's like ad for coca-cola funky it's yeah it's it's more like just um i don't know it's i guess like the the way i could because again i'm just i'm this is not my strong suit but i would say it's it's much it's closer to saying you know like the drawing that a three-year-old makes versus the drawing that like a 20-year-old artist makes, you know, <laughs> if you told them to draw the same thing, you know, you get the same representation. But even I could like hear them like, this is just very simplistic. Like the, the music wasn't really that enjoyable because it was chopsticks, but <laughs> you know, but, but it, it was, was funky chopsticks. Yeah. Funky <laughs> chopsticks. All right, so now, now we could probably get into uh, controls and mechanics. And this is, I mean, these games could not be more different in kind at this part. So, you know, two two roads diverged in a wood. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, the one thing that I just absolutely have to touch on is this game wastes so much of your fucking time. It just, it just does, man. You know, like, it, okay, so... And and I've just I've got like a, a, a list of things. Um, uh, the, the, you 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 have to use the funk scan all the time, right? So there's the funk scan mechanic. <laughs> not, not making that up. <laughs> Go on. 
you have to scan for funk. Um, but no, basically what you do is you have to hit pause and then it brings up a set of three. So, so there are three buttons, but there's technically six cause they change when you hit pause. Mm. And one of them is funk scan. And what it does is it reveals hidden things in the map, right? That you can get at by shaking trees or looking in bushes or moving rocks, all of which take forever. Mm. Right. And so like, but the humans sometimes hide in trees, right? So a little red dot will appear saying, you know, like, Hey, you uh there's a human nearby right so then when you see that and it's, a human's not evident like you can't see them on the screen right then you have to hit start you have to hit your funk scan you have to see where they are you have to go over there sometimes move a rock out of the way sometimes you have to move a rock out of the way which takes a couple of seconds because it's, it's a it's a push weight mm. push weight right to get to a bush at which point you have to then press up on the bush to have the human pop out and then you have to run them down while throwing jars at them to capture them in a jar that is this is this is this what you want? Is this fun? Like, like that's all I could think of, man. Was I was just like, who? This is the whole game, like, and and then and then literally, I I've done all of that now, and now I get to watch walk three more screens away and do it all again. That's all you do is and 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 and, and then and then so and this is this is this is just insidious wasting your time like this this. <laughs> I, I got. I, I want to be like this is this is inhumane. This is not humane game design, you know. <laughs> Where basically, when you shake a tree to get a present, which does nothing, which we can get back into, but basically, as opposed to being a fun, unique, interesting mechanic that changes the way you interact with the world around you, it just gives you points. And once I realized that's all it did, I abandoned that endeavor forever. <laughs> but but you hit your funk scan, you see that there are some presents in a tree, so you shake the tree to get the present out. No, no. There's three, sometimes four presents in the same tree, but you have to shake the same tree four times mm. and each present falls out. But it falls out arcing at a different angle, so you have to release the tree to go get it. Ugh. You can't just sit there, shake them all out, and then go collect them all. You have to go shake, collect, shake, collect, shake, collect. Everything they can do to bleed your time <laughs> away, they do, and it's upsetting. And and then, and then I'll, I'll let you get in a world where edgewise because I've just... <laughs> Okay, so the one other one I mentioned this to you offhand when I was raging, raging out during the wedding, was like there are these buttons that you press, you know, and sometimes you like so the first time you do it because you know the first taste is free. And you press, what, is, what is supposed to be the point of the buttons again? It's it's just another thing you interact with to find humans. Correct. Okay. So or presence or yeah, it, fire whatever. Right. It, it's it's another uh, it's another roulette spinner in the game. Kind of, yeah. In that, in that, you don't know what that that one always does the same thing, but you don't know what it's going to do until you right. interact with it, right? So it's a it's a it's a press A here kind of situation, right? So you go there, you press the button, thing happens, right? I, I I'm not making this up. And one of them, I went up to it and pressed the button, and then that button dropped into the earth, and a new button presser came up two feet away. So I then walk two feet away, press that button, it sinks into the earth, and then another button shows up three feet away so i go and i press that one and then a present appears that's a waste of your time i could have pressed the first one and the present could have appeared they just wasted another 20 seconds of my time because they knew that if you actually just condensed all that there was to actually do in this game it would be five minutes and then there'd be riots for the fact that you spent 60 dollars <laughs> on it okay so the <laughs> the first one is like that in none ways no. Right and and you can tell like I'm really glad I saw that little paragraph on Wikipedia because you can tell that 
so much of what went into the second game was the guy with the check said, this is what they want. So yep. this is what we're going to do. And, and it's like, we got to have presents. Okay. Um, there are presents scattered about. It's like, okay, we, we got to have, uh, we got to have earthlings. <sighs> okay. So like, sometimes there's like earthlings. <laughs> so, so you could just, you can feel it. Like they, they just had to include things without thinking about like how their inclusion would actually impact the game. And like, would it be fun and would it be funny? And they, I'm sure they tried to make, you know, the best they could out of it. But instead, they just thought back fondly on the first game they made, which was good. So in the in the first game, the general premise is you crash your ship because Earl's bad driver and the ship exploded in 10 pieces. And you got to find those 10 pieces. And there's Damn. 10 procedurally, or there's actually like infinite, but there's a bunch of procedurally generated floors that you, for some reason, move between with like a Charlie and Chocolate Factory elevator. <laughs> and, and some of them have ship pieces on them and some of them don't. And all of the game mechanics are basically around exploration. Right. For example, when you get to a new, let's just call them levels. When you get to a new level, you don't have any of the map revealed, but that level is now set in stone. So if you right. go up a level and then you fall down, you fall onto the level you were just on, which, and you might fall onto a part you hadn't yet explored. And now you can explore that part. And there are edges of the map, like, because, I mean, the map makes no damn sense. Like, they're not trying to make it make any sense. So, like, there are edges of the map that just, like, randomly expand when you get closer to them. So, there might be, like, pathways that exist that you didn't know about. So, you have to hmm. actually, like, nice. yeah, you have to go around and, like, look at the world. And then the Earthlings, many of them are faster than you. So you have to use the presents because in the first game, presents serve a function. So here's how presents work. So, <laughs> so you start with a couple presents. I think you start with two revealed presents and two unknown presents. And then every present you pick up is an unknown present. You don't know what it does until you use it. And then when you use it, if you pick up another present of that type by also, by the way, they don't all look the same. The, the images are right. just random. So it's not like you can say, oh, pink and black wrapping paper is always X. Because, oh, yeah, nice. you, have, you have no idea. The images make no they make no sense at all. So And that's by design because it's, right. it's a roguelike. So you, you find out what's present. Most of the time, the presents are good. Sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they make earthlings appear. Sometimes they make uh, tomatoes, tomato. I don't know why tomatoes are like the damaging thing of choice. Um, sometimes right. they make tomatoes like rain down from the sky for a little while and you have to try and dodge them. And so you don't get hurt sometimes. And I kid you not, you have fleshed out your inventory. You've got this huge armada of presents. And then you're like, ah, I have a question mark present that I haven't opened yet. I'll just go ahead and open that. And then it freaking randomizes all your presents. <laughs> so now you're entire. If you had 15 presents, you now have 15 random presents, and they're all unknowns. Nice. Yes. Nice. And and in the the higher levels, you need them because there are only enemies that are faster than you. So like you need right. the high tops, you need the springy shoes, you need the wing things, you need the tomato slingshot. Like the the entire game is centered around this. Like you need to be willing to expand your knowledge horizons. You need to. Find out where the map goes. You need to find out what's in your presence. You need to find the pieces of your ship. Like, And it can get a little tedious, and the difficulty curve does spike in a way I don't love on some of the higher levels, but 
broadly, if you like roguelikes, this is a very fun and interesting take on the roguelike. And it's super, well, super 90s. Well, and also, and that's the thing is that you you get the the you, the player, want to explore the game, right? That is your because like uh, one of the things I, I I've read a while back is like there's there's two types of motivations. There's in in-game and out-of-game motivations, right? So, like, for example, Call of Duty, right? The in-game motivation is to get from point A to point B and successfully complete the mission, and, whatever and, that and is. Successfully call your duty. Exactly. The out-of-game motivation is to pick the fastest path, right? Mm. Because Call of Duty games are terrible and you naturally want to spend the least amount of time playing them. <laughs> that, that, oh, no, but... No, but, no that checks but, out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the idea is so, so... But so then what they do is they just juxtapose those two values you know so so therefore the fastest path is generally the most dangerous one you know so in this one the the in-game goal is to collect all the parts of your ship but the out-of-game goal is to explore the world not only the world itself as a map but the mechanics right the presence all that sort of stuff which make you more powerful both as a player and as a character so, so it harmonizes those two, those objectives, right? The in-game objective of you have to explore to collect your ship and the, the player objective of exploring the game to become more powerful. Those two things are harmonized very well. I honestly don't know what the point of Panic in Funky Town is. I just, <laughs> I don't. And, 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 and so I did get to play, luckily, the, the good one. Um, <laughs> for a little bit and yeah man the presents were fun because like i'd get a new one i'd be like "Ooh, what does this one do and just like a just like a brand fresh green new D D player trying on a magic <laughs> item instead of casting identify for the first time i i put it on and they'd be like can i take it off and it's like no it's raining tomatoes you know and that was and that was kind of fun because you know like like <laughs> when i did it like you know I was in an area where there weren't a whole lot of humans or anything like that. And I was like, Oh no, there's tomatoes. And yeah, you know, it was, it was fun. It was enjoyable. This one literally, I, I it just, so the, the main, I think in the, the, the toe jam and Earl, the toe jam and Earl presents are key. Like, like we said, that's why you were so incredulous when I was like, can't use presents. Yeah. No, you know? I mean, that was, if, if we had not had that exchange, I'm not sure we would because i mean we were at a wedding we were doing other things like that was the 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 splinter that stuck in my mind that was like he's not a stupid person there, <laughs> there is no conceivable way and i mean i hated last train to funkatron like i never i i tried it i hate it and then i never played it again so it was not even in my mind that that might have happened so when you were like you know oh yeah you can't even use presents just for scores just like i no, no, like none of any of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so the fact that literally they took one of the core mechanics of the game and the thing that made it interesting, honestly, because other than that, it's just a random map generator. I mean, that's basically yeah, kind of what the game it, is. Yeah, if not for the presence and the enemies that you need the presence to help you combat, it'd just be walking around the game. Yeah, exactly. So they they took that and they said, like, well, now now they're just worth points. And well, okay, well, that's cool. But like, what do points do? Can you like use them to like exchange them for goods and services? Now they give you more lives. So you can waste more of your time. Literally, <laughs> it feeds back into wasting your time because all it does is give you more lives, which means you can play the game more. 
And it's just, that's it, man. There's no other reward system. I mean, everything that you do, and I realize this, like, you know, is there, there, there are some other minor things that they, in my mind, minor. Um, like, for example, there's the um, uh, panic button and the super vac or shop vac or whatever, whatever they call it. But they're like your super moves. So you can hit pause and use that. And like the one of them will suck all of the humans in the area and jar them all. Mm. Right. And that's fine. The other one is the panic button where you just run back and forth across the screen, like throwing jars into the air and just kind of seeing what sticks. Right. <laughs> Both of those animations take forever when all they <laughs> mechanically do is clear the screen. So like, you know, in at least half a dozen other games that we played where there is a, an item that clears the screen, like especially if you if you look back on like some of the bullet hell games, like basically it's a bright flash of light <laughs> and then everybody, everything's gone. This doesn't do that. It takes like 30 seconds. I don't know why, but I just th th thought about Rick Sanchez just being like, I, I didn't like the enemies, Morty, so I made the enemies go away. <laughs> because that's how Rick would do it. It wouldn't be like a big ridiculous fanfare. It would be a bright flash of light, and then everyone who's not Toe Jam and Earl should be dead. Yeah. No, Rick would take care of them the way he takes care of those squirrels, you know? Like, And then, <laughs> and then he would peace out to, you know what, they, they need portal to toe jam and earl to toe jam and earl <laughs> to just go to the different reality like but yeah yeah no so um so i, I thought that that honestly we, we we can speak a lot about you know like because like you said the mechanically they're, they're night and day different but realistically i think where they are night and day different is that toe jam and earl was a game made by a group of people that they really were invested in and wanted it to be fun panic on funkatron was made to manipulate you into thinking that you're having fun. You know, it is a very manipulative game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, they're, they, if I recall correctly, I think they actually took a stab at a 3d one at like the, no. maybe the dreamcast era. I, I don't know. Back I, when Sanic the hedgehog was coming out. Yeah. And I mean, like, this, like, you know, like, into 3D. Yeah, like, yeah. A, I mean, a true, a, a 3D version of the original one would be probably pretty good, right? Like, you'd have, you know, the whole Z-axis you could do stuff in, and you could have, like, more interesting presence, and you could do first-person stuff, like a first-person mode you could switch into if you wanted to. Like, there's, there's lots of ways you could take the original exploring roguelike and move that into 3D, and taking crappy platformers and turning them into 3d it's literally sonic the hedgehog so I mean, yeah it, it's yeah. just it's 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 oh god it's just it's so soulless like i i feel awful for the people who put in months of development into a sequel that was an expansion of the first one and then we're basically told like what if you didn't have hopes and dreams would you yeah. would you still collect your paycheck and produce a game that we can sell for $60 and because those people have mortgages and families and need to eat they're like all right yeah no and and if if we want to go super even darker is basically what then happened was they went okay they then produced a terrible game and the people that made them produce a terrible game went on to force other people to produce terrible games and that <laughs> former 
people either were terminated or that the company that they were subcontracting to got uh, got closed down. So and and the cycle of I mean, there's lots of terrible games and there's lots of terrible sequels. The fact that this yeah. is a terrible sequel doesn't crush me so much as knowing that it was on every track to be a good sequel that was then just crapped all over. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, that you can just tell like from the tone of it is because you know like let's take there there like you said there are plenty of bad sequels you don't you don't have to, to to reach too far for them you know but um most of the time they're like terrible because they are trying something new and that thing doesn't work you know or or the opposite like they just they rely too much on samey mechanics you know um so you know like it just gets it gets repetitive right but this one like literally it was it was like you know, the, the artist, you know, a, a, a musician when they're, they're young and, you know, like they're just, they're just doing it for the love of the craft, you know, like, and yeah, they want to become rich and famous, but they're, they're doing it because they love music. And then like smash cuts of, you know, five years later, you know, and like the label had like has decided exactly what they wear and exactly how they dress and comport themselves. So you can just see in their eyes that they just don't want to be doing this anymore. That's, that's new toe jam and Earl. This is, Stark, <laughs> you're pretty familiar with uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, right? Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> you just made me think of uh, in like the the ultimate fight scene, and she's like, "We are sex bomb. We're here to sell out and stuff." <laughs> <laughs> that is actually the perfect analogy. I think is that Toe Jam and Earl is you know we are sex bomb. One, two, three, four, and then like you know. And then, yeah, and then, and then Toe Jam and Earl Panic on Funkatron is, is you know, like, we are sex, but bomb. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah. that if, if you want to know that, those are the visuals, yeah. you know? So I do, just so that we don't go into the final segment, like, on a complete downer, um, there's a couple cool things about the first one I wanted to talk to you about, because <laughs> I, I have them in my notes here. So um, <laughs> there's a few little, like, polished things that they did that I felt like are good mechanics and that, uh, we're thoughtful in how repetitive a roguelike can be. Because, I mean, if you mm. have a bad algorithm or if you just are an unlucky person, your roguelike experience can be really terrible. Like, it's it's hard oh, yeah. to, I'm sure it's very hard to make a good roguelike algorithm where every procedurally generated level is interesting and fun and none of them feel unfair or wildly unbalanced because I saw some of them, so I know what happens. Um, <laughs> but there, there's a few little, like, mechanical touches that I thought helped make... Because in a roguelike, you can feel like the world isn't real. It's like, well, every right. every floor is just random. But there there were some like uh, these little polished things that help the experience feel cohesive. So like the first one I thought of is uh, the one power you have all the time is the ability to sneak. So if you don't have any presence equipped, you hold down the the present button. I think it's B, and you uh, mm -hmm. you like creep and walk slowly. And the reason that that's important is because some of the earthlings are sleeping. And if you creep walk, they will stay asleep and you can get by them without wasting a present. Or if you have no presents, you can get by them. Um, and the Santa Claus earthling, if you sneak up on him, he still escapes like he always does, literally always, but he drops some presents. So, nice. Yeah. So th there's like this cool little way that even without any equipment, you can still like kind of either escape enemies it or interact in a positive way. 
And I did see that in the in the quick playthrough that I did scrambling at the end here. And um and I and it if I remember correctly, that's always mapped to a button, you know? Yes. So like if you Yeah, you, you can always do right. that. Right. So the nice was like I knew within the first 10 minutes that I could sneak like that. I just didn't see a use for it. But if I saw a sleeping enemy sprite, I would immediately know, oh well, I should tiptoe because I've seen it before. So even the button mapping on that is pretty solid. Yeah. Well, and then they have a clever way to remind you that noise is a thing this game understands because the way you get health back is through food that you find randomly laying on the ground and um, or sometimes Tasty. in presence. And one of the foods you can find is root beer. Root beer makes you burp. So if you are sneaking past an enemy and you've just opened a present that had a root beer in it and you burp, you will wake it up even though you were sneaking. So like... There's this very simplistic but very well-documented and easily understood concept of noise in the game universe. Yeah, it's it you know it's fun. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's like it's, they, uh... it's like they thought about it. Um, and then um, then just kind of my last thing is just like not all of the enemies just hurt you. Like there's like a tornado thing that doesn't do any damage, but it you lose control while you're trapped in it. And then it just drops you somewhere randomly, which may be over water, which may be over nothing. And you just fall right. to like the level below. Um, there's like mole enemies that don't cause any damage, but they make you drop presents. Uh, and then the, the nerd herd, like, I, I guess that's what it's called. I mean, it's literally just a herd of nerds, but um, they hurt you, but they also flatten you. So hmm. you are not only, not only did you take damage, but you are now immobilized. And because of the way they move and the way other enemies move, like you're more likely to be susceptible to another attack because stuff can like, uh, you know, kind of zone in on you while you you can't move. So like there's enough variety in the way the enemies interact with you that you're not just like, oh, I got hit. I took damage. Womp womp. And then it just becomes like a, a health management game. Yeah. Now, what, one of the nice mechanics that I noticed, um, and, you know, obviously I don't have too many. This is my only note for the original game. But I, I, I don't know why I kind of got a kick out of it. Was if you lit, if you let Toe Jam stay idle for not very long, like maybe even just 30 seconds, he goes to sleep. Like, like lays down and. Yeah, he straight up lays down and completely goes to sleep. Now, keep in mind, you can pause this game at any time, right? So if you do need to stop, take a break or whatever, you can pause it. But, you know, I'm taking notes, whatever. And so I see him go to sleep. Moving the controller doesn't wake him up automatically. What it does is it makes you say, it makes you say, wake up. And you have to do it. You have to button mash for like a couple of seconds before he actually wakes up. Oh, my God. I, that is like the one thing I clearly remember from this game. <laughs> oh my God. Is there an enemy in the first game that puts you to sleep? I have like a clear memory of Toe Jam's voice going, wake up. Yep. Be yeah. Because the first time, like, because you have to keep doing it. And he's like, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Oh my God. Why is that the one part of that crap fest <laughs> that's stuck in my mind? <laughs> Yeah, and I and, and I kind of like that because, like I said, you know, is is as far as a like you're falling asleep because you're not paying attention to the game thing, um, it's easy to get around because, like I said, you can just pause it. So if I needed to like get up and get a soda or something like that, you know, you pause the game. That's fine. But what I felt it did do is it kept you from inadvertently breaking your immersion in the game. You know, so like you have to remember, it's like I need to stay focused on this game or I need to take a break. But I can't, you know, like 
like just kind of stop and you know like your, your mom you get, comes you, into the room yeah, you get punished if you're distracted <laughs> exactly and I, I don't know i kind of got i, I kind of like that if for nothing else and that's a great skill to teach somebody which is if you're about to be distracted stop what you're doing in a way that you know you can recover from and then pay attention to the next task so yeah i don't know i just kind of got a kick out of that mechanic hey it has a redeeming quality <laughs> oh no that's, sorry this is the original one that i'm talking about Oh my god, did I just never put the controller down that long? So that's a that's a huge bummer because for just a minute I thought you were describing the sole silver lining of no, no, last no, train no, to no. Funkatron. No, there, there is none. Oof. There is none. Yikes. Y- yikes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, good to hear I have one good thing. I'm like, oh no, the, the, oh god, did we just do it again? Yeah, we did. did we, we, just did. we did, we did, we did. <laughs> I would love to say, like, we thought about that way in advance and we had this whole bit planned yeah. for the end of the episode, but no. The second game is so terrible that I allowed myself for a moment to believe you had something positive to say about it. And you're like, no, of course I'm talking about the first one. Dear, dear, dear God. So, I mean, I, I think your feelings on uh, Last Train to Funky Town are pretty clear, but uh, how did it hold up for you? I think it is a really, really great way to torture somebody in a way that's not directly covered by the Geneva Convention. Are you sure that it's not? Because, I mean, I've never heard anybody uh, talk about this game in, like, two decades. So. That's that's true. In <laughs> fact, maybe that's why the Geneva – I mean, that's why those accords were made because somebody, like, made somebody play this game, and they're like, we need to have rules for this kind of stuff. You can't do things like this. But, no, it it, uh, it did not hold up. <laughs> not even a little. You can't just put someone on the last train to Funkatron. <laughs> yeah. Good, good God. We were not animals. Uh, so – so for Toe Jam and Earl, the Toe Jam and Earl, um, I, I have to give this a nostalgia monocle because as much as I did actually enjoy playing it and as embarrassed as I am that I didn't remember the one like funny side mechanic that I embarrassingly accidentally attributed to the wrong game, um, <laughs> I, uh, the one thing that I, I was very aware of that, that demotes it from you know no nostalgia goggles to nostalgia monocle is... After I got to like the 12th or 13th level for like the fourth or fifth time and the elevator opened and an enemy almost immediately was like, that's a nice lunch you got there that I'm about to eat (laughs) and then just knocked me off the edge of the map and I fell down. And even though the two levels are now loaded into memory and do not need to be procedurally generated, you have to watch the little elevator level up screen every single time. Right. And and so if you are like low on presence or you are like getting just screwed by enemies, you, you get kind of painted into a corner. And I right. don't I don't know if what they want you to do is then go explore, but mm-hmm. I kind of felt like I was like, well, I could go back to lower levels and you know, go to every single corner of the map and find any presence I may have left behind, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, so like it, it in this somewhat extreme circumstance, I kind of felt like if you, if your present management has gotten really bad and you've gotten to a high enough level where the difficulty curve kind of goes up, like the fun gets the, the air gets let out of that balloon surprisingly fast. But I mean, the game's pretty easy to jump into. So you can literally just reach out and tap that reset button and just be like, and I started over. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, no, did you see now now the worst thing is gonna be like we're finally gonna be I'm gonna be like, let's play Le- Legend of Zelda and, and, and you're gonna be like, yeah, but it's gonna be something dumb like Legend of Zelda like two, you know, for the NES, you know? 
just did crush my soul or something. The curtain falls. The music plays. The credits roll. Then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land, battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand. Your memories creep in with the end of a smile. Yay!